The most wasted of days is one without laughter. That is a quote by E. E. Cummings. Welcome to Trina Talk. Trina Talk is a weekly podcast that will inspire and empower women of all ages to strive for the impossible. Your host, Trina L. Martin from TrinaMartin.com, is a motivational speaker, leader, and cybertech expert. Every week, Trina will share wisdom gained from her life experiences and lessons learned while pursuing her goals to inspire you to achieve the next level in your life. Now, your host, Trina L. Martin. Hello, welcome to Trina Talk. I am your host, Trina L. Martin, and this is episode 83. Just a reminder, don't forget to tune in every Friday at 5 p.m. Central Time for my Facebook Live show called Talk to Trina, where I share tips, tools, and trends on technology solutions that will help you stay connected with your clients who are remote. The topic of this week's episode is Help Others Succeed. My guest this week is Dom Brightman. Dom is an author, podcaster, and certified leadership trainer with the John Maxwell team from Baltimore, Maryland. Dom has written and published Going North, Tips and Techniques to Advance Yourself And the follow-up bestseller, Stay the Course, The Elite Performer's Seven Secret Keys to Sustainable Success. In addition to his professional experience, Dominique possesses an Associates of Applied Science and Network Technology from the Community College of Baltimore County. His technology experience adds another dimension to his skill set, which has helped hundreds of people to complete their digital resumes and become more tech savvy. Hi, Dom. Welcome to Trina Talk. Woohoo! Feels good to be on Trina Talk, the WT. That's right, the double T herself. Yes, indeed. Let me stop. There ain't no double T. It's the TM, the only <laughs> trademark we need. All right, Dom. Okay. So <laughs> a few months back, I was on your show because you're a podcaster as well now you're on my show so that means I get to dictate all the questions but you are an author podcaster you're a certified leadership trainer with the John Maxwell team tell me a little bit about who you are and how you got to be the Dom that you are today the reason why I'm here today, the dumb I am here today is, well, raised up as a church boy all my life and pretty much a nice, solid upbringing, has some biblical principles built to me through my parents. Mom, she got her master's in psychology and she also worked for the Baltimore County area and the government area. And my father, he was a paratrooper in 82nd Airborne Division, had two combat service stars in World War II for his two combat jumps. And had 12 years total in the military and they raised with some great foundational stuff. And the foundational stuff came in handy when it came to moving to the next level because I got one of the best birthday gifts of my life on September 6, 2012, where I got into a car accident on my way to IT class, funny enough. 
And that car accident was really kind of like a real shock to the life up to that point. It's kind of like the whole hero's journey. It takes a little turn for the worst to become eventually better because that was the same year. My father being alive for so long and eventually getting up there in age where he got Alzheimer's and had to care give for him and all the caregiving and taking up for both my mom, who was also sick, led to me realizing, you know what? Something needs to change. So 2013 was my year of rebirth. And every year I set out to read at least 50 plus books a year, along with having a New Year's mantra for every year. So every year is a different theme, and I aim to read at least 50 or more books to better myself. That'll eventually better others. Okay, wow. So your goal at the beginning of each year is to read 50 books during that year. Is that correct? Yes, ma'am. Okay. What what made you, besides the car accident and all the things going on in your personal life, what made you decide to to have that as your yearly goal? And how do you go about um, discovering a theme for the books that you're going to read? Or do you just read whatever interests you? What's your method behind your madness? Yeah, the themes, they usually come towards the end with the year reflections and everything of how the year goes. And then, of course, with the books, usually some of them, at least in the past couple of years, been trying to reread so that way I can truly get it. Because it's great to read a lot of books, but it's also better to reread some. So usually I stay in the realms of leadership because John Maxwell himself, he releases at least three books per year minimum and usually read one of his books every year. Some on leadership, occasionally something on productivity to pick up something new that I may not have considered yet, or I can even be reminded of other things when I fall off the wagon. And occasionally something for entertainment value, like a Japanese comic book, a.k.a. manga, or even a novel, and mostly nonfiction books, and also occasionally picking up books I see with my day job as a librarian because <laughs> when we get new books in every day, especially on Tuesdays, occasionally there's something that distracts me. Not to mention with my podcast as well, I try to read at least a good portion of the guest books, especially the ones that I'm extra fond of after the recording too, because it's like, hey, they had a really great interview. And it's like, you know, what? let me see what's in their head. Let's see what else is going on. So it usually comes from those uh, that guest on my show, those who appear randomly or <laughs> or by divine guidance from the day job and heck, even from my reading list that grows exponentially. I've probably got so many darn books. I probably have over, uh, man, probably 1,500 books on my reading list. And I'm already you know I'm not going to get to all of them, but it all depends on really the focus for the year and Anything else that someone even may recommend out of the blue that may not be in my immediate line of sight. Okay. So have you read my book? Not yet. Mm-hmm. So that's your first task today. When you finish with this interview, you have to go to Amazon and order my book. The good news is it's been purchased. <laughs> <laughs> now, that's did you do good. that because you knew it was you were coming on this show? <laughs> Oh, no, that was before the show. Mm-hmm. It came out in January. It did. It did. Okay. Hey, folks love you. I'll, voice. I'll let you slide on that one. Okay. So 50 books a year. You you are a librarian. So did that 
because reading 50 books a year means you like to read. Like I like to read and growing up, that was my escape. Um, So I did read a lot as well. I'm originally from Chicago. So I grew up in inner city Chicago and we had this thing called Riff. And I don't know if you had because you grew up in Baltimore, right? Yes, ma'am. We had this thing called Riff, which is reading is fundamental. And what they would do is because I went to the Chicago public school and, you know, we weren't the affluent areas every year. Um, these big mobile book trailers would come and they would have all of these brand new books and they would let us choose books for free. So that's how I got my books and ended up um, becoming an avid reader. So like you, I don't read 50 books a year, but like right now I have several books that I'm reading because like you, I like to keep up on the leadership and personal development because I'm so busy. I don't actually have a time to always sit down and read unless I'm on a plane. So I do audio books now. What is your method? Do you like the old school, just having the book in your hand? Do you do audio books? What is it? It's really a combination of everything because I'm still old school in the way as I, as I'm preferring to read an actual book in my hand, a physical book, especially with a cup of coffee. That's my favorite way. But as with time escaping, usually with audiobooks or even ebooks as well, because mm-hmm. another thing is the classic Automobile University that Zig- Ziegler penned decades ago was also one of my favorite things when commuting was still a thing for the non-essential workers. <laughs> and audiobooks is another way of really reading. And funny enough, with audio, when you hear audio, sometimes you, at least me in particular, I actually buy the physical book afterwards because there's some mm-hmm. things that I caught where it's like, yeah, I can still hear and still catch it and it'll be in the subconscious mind, but I feel like I need to have the book and underline it and put some notes in there. So it's a combination of all three. Yeah. I'm like that too. Some books, I'm like you, some books after I, I listen to it, I'll go get the actual book. Some books I just get just audio book alone. And then, um, yeah, some books I just buy the books. Now, Here's here's my next question on the books. So when you get an audio book, do you like to have the author reading it or does it matter? Preferably the author most times, because usually, especially if it's someone like Grant Cardone or John Maxwell, I prefer them to read the book because funny enough, one time I picked up one of John Maxwell's audio books in the library and it was one of his republished books in a smaller version and he had someone else reading and I'm like, Oh God, no, not this guy. Like, come on, at least have Wayne Shepard read it. He's like the closest to the actual voice himself. So definitely prefer the author to read their book. Yeah, it does make a difference. Um, especially if I find for me, especially the authors that I know how they sound in their cadence and speaking, I find that if I get a book and they're not the one narrating it. It's not the same for me. So it does make a difference now because I'm see now I'm on this book thing with you because I'm intrigued. So what got you into this reading all of these books? I mean, how did you come to this? People just don't say, oh, this year I'm going to start reading 50 books a year without some impetus. So how did this happen? Yeah, funny enough, it was actually towards the end of 2012 where we were getting close to where they're announcing that there was going to be no more Twinkies for a few months and came across one of John Maxwell's books, The Five Levels of Leadership. And it eventually led me to reading, thinking for a change that really 
is probably my top five from him out of his hundred plus books and counting. Because funny enough, I, even though I worked in a library for a few years before, then about a good five years, I didn't really like reading because in school there were, were books that you were assigned to read that made you hate reading. Like <laughs> I really wasn't too much of a fan of really the novels and things like that, especially some of the books like the Scarlet Letter. It was really good when I got towards the end, but when I first picked it up, I fell asleep 10 minutes into it because <laughs> it wasn't my cup of tea at the time. But just realizing, wait a second, if I'm going to be reborn, I need to get some knowledge here. And just reading that book really led me to really getting on the high when you're really into the first time in the professional development where you want to read just about anything and everything. And you eventually get to the point where it's like, okay, some books, it's like, all right, nah, I'm not going to read this one, especially with self-help books. Because if you read a good five of them, especially the nice thick ones and popular ones, you really read the majority of them. Now, granted, there's still some that are publishing self-help books like myself, where it's like, okay, sometimes they may need the voice of this person saying the words as opposed to another voice. So that's really what helped me to get into reading was realizing, all right, something needs to change. I wasn't a voracious reader before the setbacks happened. And I figured, okay, I have this acres of diamonds right here where all these metaphorical riches and abundances around me, but I didn't tap into it. I occasionally read a book or two outside of class, but mostly just the mangas outside of my stuff for my degree at the time. And I really never read the books that will really give me an edge outside of the assigned books that they give you. Now you're reading because you said it was like your rebirth. Was that a way to escape what was going on in your life? Um, or was it just totally of you were at a point where you said, you know what? I'm at this point and I need to do some self-improvement. Oh, yeah. Self-improvement, definitely. Because it's like when I read one book and applied something like in Thinking for a Change, there are some questions in there. And of course, Ben Franklin asked himself these two questions every day was what good will I do today? And at the end of the day, what good did I do today? If you set out to do something good, like, all right, going to connect with five different people that mean anything to connect with for a while, maybe shoot an email or something. At the end of the day, it's like, okay, if they responded, then that's great. Or sharing a smile with someone, giving some spare change to someone who's on falling on hard times, especially now, and just looking back on those moments and just getting the high from progress and using progress to really propel you to a higher state of just really projecting your own version of success out there because really... Professional and personal development never ends. It's ever growing and changing. And when you take the actual action from what you read, then that makes a huge difference as opposed to, oh, that was a good book and put you on the bookshelf with the rest of your buddies. And you all can have an argument when I'm asleep. Like, no, you actually have to put yourself in the shoes of your future self. I agree. Now, getting on to your, your certified leadership trainer with the John Maxwell team. What made you do that? Uh, yes, funny enough, it was in my time in Toastmasters. This wonderful guy by the name of Clyde Middleton had his JMT certification. I'm like, wait, I, I read his books. He's like my favorite author of all time, but I didn't know he had a certification program. And when I found out that 
my buddy Claude actually got paid in terms of he actually got a return on his investment from the lunch and learns that he did with his company. I'm like, oh, okay, that's cool. I'm like, all right, let me go ahead and put that on the goal list. And funny enough, I put that as a goal back on my 2017 board for the year. And it happened in 2019 because when you write things down, things happen, mm-hmm. whether it be delayed or not. Like mm-hmm. 2017 is when my father passed away. So a lot of things were delayed, but hey, delay is not denial. So really the certification, it's it's great because it's I feel like one of those video game RPG characters where they get this ultimate weapon in an RPG game where their stats go through the roof. And that's what it kind of felt like because the certification is where you set aside enough money to be able to go down to Florida either in March or August and connect with other folks there who want to better themselves. You get to hear John and the facilitators speak and learn from them. And just being inspired and just being inspired to pick one thing and go with it because they hose you down with content. Like you, it's like you're trying to drink with a fire hose from all of the stuff you're doing. I even had a mild headache when it was all over because it was so much, but really just picking that one thing, adding it to the resume and really just using it as a way to continue to help others and have another avenue, another sliver of content to be able to live to deliver to others because I could have mentioned things in passing, but now it's like, all right, I'm licensed to actually run mastermind groups based on his books, like the 15 laws of growth and intentional living and so on and so forth. So it's kind of like the long winded answer to your question. Mm, okay. You're, and I asked because you're the second person that I've come across as um, a certified trainer through John Maxwell team. And I was just curious about that. Um, so you do, um, coaching and masterminds, is that correct? And do you speak on stages? How has this benefited you? Oh, yeah. Speaking on stage is definitely one thing and doing more of that. But right now, especially with the whole CV nonsense, the Rona, mm-hmm. Rony, the Rice of Rony <laughs> nonsense, been doing mostly the podcast for now and just really been doing some extra studying on that. And funny enough, even did some stuff at work on my day jobs librarian with helping out my colleagues and just helping them even get more into the leadership side of the game. And heck, even the leadership game is one of the things that's a part of it too, where you actually have this interactive activity for 60 to 90 minutes where you get your team together and you have these heart to heart conversations and you get more out of that than you would by having a one, one-on-one call with somebody. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it seems, it seems pretty, um, pretty fulfilling and it's, it's, Interesting you say that because I'm actually, um, Lisa Nichols, the speaker, is actually my speaking coach. And um, I'm going to be out in California in the fall, hopefully, if, like you said, if all this pandemic thing calms down. And she does. I'm in her class called the Speaker's Mastermind, where she takes a weekend and she kind of does the same thing, where she kind of fire hose you and... um, (laughs) Yes, with content and speaking. So, yeah, so it should be just lovely. (laughs) (laughs) Just lovely. So tell me, so besides all of this reading that you're doing and speaking, what else do you do? Yeah. So what else to do? Also host the Magical Going North podcast that features fabulous authors like yourself from around the world. Yes, indeed. And I like to call it the highlight real builder for authors because the podcast itself, it started from a place of uh, 
I guess I don't want to say too much ignorance because I was willing to learn, but just from a place of really service, because when I first published my book in 2016, I was like, all right, so it's out. All right, what happens now? Oh, okay, I can get on radio hosts, uh, get on shows and whatnot. First ever interview, guy kept cutting me off. And the second time I did an interview was a online podcast interview and kept my answer short because I was expecting to be cut off and she was actually expecting more after it was all said and done. So I was like, you know what? Let me make sure this isn't the same experience for someone else. So the podcast was born in 250 episodes in, and it's really just the way I like to call it the new coffee, among other things, because with especially nowadays where you're supposed to be under metaphorical house arrest. It's mm-hmm. like, it's kind of like virtual coffee where everyone benefits because as opposed to wasting the 30 to 60 minutes chatting with somebody in the commute time there and back with the podcast interview, if everything is all set up correctly and not to worry about anything, you get to learn from the person and everyone else that hears the conversation later, whether it's two days or two years from now, they get to learn too. And that'll yield some return business down the road, funny enough, because funny enough was on a podcast and one lady reached out to me and she bought my books and she was a fan afterwards and really just connecting with others and networking with others and just doing that fabulously. So that's probably one of the things that's taken up a lot of my time right now in a good way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And with us both being podcasters that's you know the podcasting being an author being a speaker are the three things we have in common but um the podcasting i find to be um very rewarding at first i was skeptical and i guess a bit afraid to start but once i did like you i've networked with people all around the world and it's um it's very rewarding and um i i like it so it seems like you like it as well now Talking to you and just listening to the things you're saying, you sound like you are very intentional with your life and you planning your day and how you want your year to go. Um, what do you do or what do you what kind of advice do you have for the listeners out there who um, may need to have some direction, especially in the time that we're in now where people can kind of feel pretty anxious and um hopeless, how would you give, what advice would you give them to being kind of intentional and still keeping calm to pursue their daily lives? Sure thing. So take a deep breath. Sometimes I like to put one hand, preferably the right on my chest and the heart area, the other hand, left hand on the belly, take a good five deep breaths, deep, breathe in deep because we all breathe unconsciously, at least for the most part, but when you consciously breathe, it's even better because you have so much more energy afterwards. And heck, even having a sip of water when you first wake up in the morning to get your body hydrated again. And also when you first wake up, also set aside some time for yourself. So instead of using the snooze button to get extra sleep, use the snooze button as your sensational moment of silence button where you grab a chair, you sit in it, and be still and quiet for a good five minutes or so, and you just be. Whether thoughts come to your head or not, that's a-okay. Heck, even bring a journal or a notepad with you to write down thoughts, because when I learned that from Craig Valentine, one of the world champions of public speaking, he mentioned how that actually saved him from suicide, because he never gave himself silence every day. That's 
something that we all need. It's like silence is one of the keys to really getting within yourself and doing that inner work and getting ideas because one of the ideas that came out of those sessions was to become a motivational speaking librarian to motivate others and inspire others to read. Like I'm not going to be Ty Lopez level where I can inspire folks to read by having 50 Lamborghinis in my garage with a bookshelf, even though that's pretty cool, but I'm not going that route, but still just inspire folks to read, especially for the folks of color. And that's even why my books themselves are under a hundred pages because People don't have time for 5,000 pages. And if it's someone who's looking to get back into reading and they want to start off small and work their way up brick by brick, then giving them a nice short little palette, a nice little plate of information metaphorically so they can really get to that edge. That's just a few things I mentioned, some silence some water and some breathing. Mm That's good. That's good. Now you said, now what did you call yourself? The the motivational librarian? Is that what you called yourself? Oh, yes. The motivational speaking librarian. It's not every day you meet a librarian that does motivational speaking. Okay. So, <clears throat> excuse me. So when you're at work, besides doing your, you know, duties as a librarian, how do you motivate the people that come into the library? Uh, yes, humor. Humor. Mm-hmm. Yes, no, indeed. you're funny. <laughs> <laughs> I know I get a joke out of you eventually. <laughs> yes. You got me. You got me coming over to your side. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> About time. All right. Yes, indeed. But yes, there's though. Funny enough, uh, one of my favorite quotes of all time, and I'm not sure how the listeners will take it, but it's from Jeffrey Gittimer, the sales king for a long time. And he says, if you can make people laugh, you can make them buy. And mm-hmm. It's kind of like how a lot of comedians do, especially while like Pryor and Eddie Griffin, heck, even Chappelle, where it's like a lot of their knowledge comes, the deep moments come after they have a big laugh, because when you help folks to calm down with humor, then you can really insert some change every now and then into them. It's like, hey, I, I heard about this really good book going north. You should probably check it out. I heard of this real good book called Outwitting the Devil by Napoleon Hill. Heck, even Leadership by John Maxwell. Then. Heck, even not even those books are even just really pointing them to other movies. Because funny enough, one lady, she wanted to start a franchise of her own. And I'm like, okay, well, since we're a public library and we don't have the university swag in terms of a deep dive of material, pulled up a few articles that I could find on franchising as well as gave her the movie The Founder that gave an inspired story about how Ray Kroc started McDonald's in terms of making it a franchise as a alternate way of getting the message out there because people take in messages in various ways and just that thought of hey wait a second i came to this library to pick up a book that this this man doing stand-up comedy and all the jokes don't fly like probably about a good 75 percent of them don't fly and it's just really a proving ground it's like oh i made the attempt and the fact that i get better with time and it's even practice when i get on stage because a lot of stand-up comedians, it takes them a year to do a 60-minute set together. Like one joke of mine where I talk about 2012, the whole Twick is for a month thing, it took me a year to perfect that joke timing because I originally said it one way and it wasn't getting a lot of laughs. But when I kept on playing with it, I realized, oh, okay, all right, now this is the way to deliver it. So that's really 
one of the ways I like to motivate people, give them a good hearty laugh and then, you know, just slip it in there for them in a good way. Now, do you want to be a comedian? Is that, is that your, you know, inner person that needs to come out? Do you really want to become a comedian? No, that's not the main goal. I mean, down the road, maybe I could probably do that. I mean, I mm-hmm. probably could go for a good five minutes, depending on the audience, probably pull it off. But no, nah, that's not the goal because when you're out on stage talking to folks and Zig Ziglar would always insert funnies and all the greats, they always have humor in their speeches because folks like to get information and have a good laugh at at the time too. And heck, even be entertained, no matter how good your content is, you still especially for folks in America, have to give them some entertainment with it. So that's really why I kind of add that to my weapons, or should I say expertise, is because it's like, hey, you know what? can't be monotone the whole time. It can't be dull the whole time. It's not like in the church where I say I'm going to close and then I go for two more hours and then they'll just come <laughs> back next week. Like if I'm getting paid thousands of dollars to give a presentation, got to at least give them the goods and be entertaining at the same time. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about your book. You have two books, correct? Oh, yes, indeed. Well, tell us about those books. Sure thing. So the first book, Going North, it was written on a dare back in 2015, where I was handing out these reading lists for people called the 100 Books for Dynamic Living, because I read a couple hundred books at that time. And I was like, all right, let me set myself apart from the usual business card, because folks either stick those in a giant pile that they never go through, or they just go in the trash. So let me give out reading lists. And one lady, she saw the list and looked at me, looked at the list, looked right back at myself and asked me where my book was on this list. And I was 22 at the time. And I'm like, what the heck am I going to write about at 20 freaking two? I'm not the author. And funny enough, what makes this even funny is the fact that I did this activity where I wrote in my own obituary. And then that obituary is going to be a best-selling author. So that was what makes it even funny at least to me anyway is the fact that that happened and she even offered to join in with me to write a book and have them both done in a year's time and i was like nope lady you are too intense i am out of here and Hmm. funny enough a couple days later some soul searching happened and i thought you know what this was in the obituary and buddy of mine called me out and i was like hey why don't you go ahead and read a book buddy because funny enough he had one book and there's going to be a sequel and I kept poking him about it. But when I told him about what happened to me, he figured, okay, this is some good accountability, buddy, goodness that can happen. So he poked me and poked me enough to where it's like, all right, instead of the bear pulling out the claws, the bear pulled out the pen and started writing. And some metaphorical honey came afterwards because the book itself became a podcast and it inspired others to write books of their own at the Time of this recording, to my knowledge, five other people finally published their books after seeing some dude in his early 20s writing and publishing and promoting himself as an author where they themselves have been sitting for their content, some of it even for years, and really just inspiring them to do that. And I like to call my books the self help for the distracted because they're both under 100 pages because. Kind of goes back to earlier point. Folks don't have time for two, three, or 5,000 pages. Like if you can give it to them straight, no chaser. Folks will love it because you get to save their time. And then they can use the remaining time to actually take the action steps from the books to actually better their lives. I love that. Because my book as well, it's under 100 pages. And I had that same approach because I'm I'm a direct person. 
anyway. So I didn't feel the need to try to make a 300, 500 page book. You know, it's no one has time for that. And I think if you can say what needs to be said in less time, that's that's a bonus. So that's great. So um, my question. So the lady who challenged you to write the book, have you talked to her? Or let her know that you did write a book. Oh, yeah. Yep. She has a copy of the book now. And she was surprised. Like, oh, OK, cool. This is awesome. It's like, all right, so now I need to develop an app. And I'm like, wait a second. Why am I going to develop an app? You haven't got your book out yet. Get your book out there. Quit playing. Like, come on, let's do this thing. And and of course, with uh, her and I being Toastmasters, we uh, like to use the program because it's one of the few things in the world where you put a lot in it, in it and you get a lot out of it. She joined me into the volunteer quicksand of district leadership overseeing a bunch of clubs in a certain area and it fell by the wayside but yeah she's uh still doing fabulous still doing fabulous hasn't got her book out yet to my knowledge but yeah okay and talk about did you talk about your second book uh stay the course yes indeed stay the course yes so two years after the first book was published i'm like yep i'm gonna have a second book to follow up with it because I only had a year to do it because that was the challenge. And there's some things I wanted to polish up for book number two. So I was like, you know what, let me go ahead and do this. But six months after book number one was published, my father died after his long battle with Alzheimer's six months later in March, 2017. And all this grief came over me that I didn't know about because with being a guy, there's still some pride that I still have even to this day. And it's like, all right, let me see here. I'm going to be the invincible encourager. That's right. I can do this. I'm still the best in the world at what I do. I'm going to do this thing. And really, I wasn't self-aware. So stay the course is about being self-aware as the major key to being a lead performer in terms of being aware of what's in your mind, how well you're doing with your body, with your day-to-day habits, what's going on in your life. Are you aware of who you're connecting with? Are you aware of people in your circle? And I wasn't fully aware of all of those things. So book number two was really not only a message to myself, but a message to others who are on that path of self-development to stay the course. And no matter what, always stay focused on reaching your goals and embracing your dreams, because I fell off of that thinking that, okay, I had all these books, I had all the tools, but I didn't give myself that time to grieve. I didn't give myself that time to really get back into the swing of things. And that's really where the book came from is awareness and being aware of what was going on around you in multiple ways. Cause there's self-awareness being aware of yourself, the mental awareness, time awareness, being aware of your time. Now, granted, this is one of the moments where I pull up my Jim Rohn moment where it's like, don't follow me so closely. Cause I talk about time awareness, but with this whole darn pandemic, my sleeping schedule has been way off. It's like today, does not feel like Tuesday. It feels like Wednesday at the time of this recording. And I want to say happy hump day, but it's probably Saturday somewhere. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I, I'm not, I'm, we have this history, so I'm not going to even go there. So, um, <laughs> so you have two books out. How many more are you going to have? Are, are you planning on doing more or is it, it? is this it? Oh, it's not it. One and done's not enough. Two is not enough. And I want to try to get to the six pack abs of six books and plus. So we'll see if there's going to be a co-author project I'm currently working on. Crappy to happy. 
with the fabulous Sacred Stories Media of helping folks turn their crappy moments into happy moments. That's one of the biggest questions I get from time to time. Is like, how the heck you remain happy all the time? And it's like, yeah, well, you're time to find out by reading my books as well as this fabulous book that's going to release and also some spiritual awareness too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So when you were doing your second book, because you said you weren't self-aware. Now, were you going through your healing process as you were writing this or had you done your healing and coming out of it and then writing that book? I have to say both because it was a while because the book was delayed. It was supposed to be out in October of 2018 since that was the goal two years after book one. But I kept letting myself get delayed and had one buddy at work I told the project about, and he kept poking me about it and reminded me about it. So it eventually released out. But yeah, it was part of a healing process and really getting over that. Because funny enough, one of the things I talk about in the book is habit awareness and having a great prayer life is one of them. Because it actually reminded me of the time when it was my 14th birthday and we were having lunch at the time and dinner at TG Fridays and my father he was going through a time where it was a few years in where he had acid reflux and all this other problems where he couldn't really digest his food properly and a lot of times he would throw up his food and he lost a lot of weight during those times because sometimes he wouldn't eat he would just drink something and really keep himself liquefied and try to eat some liquefied stuff to try to help it go down and for years, I would pray. The family would pray. And on the day of my 14th birthday, when we were celebrating, he announced that he was actually healed of that sickness. And when he told us that, we were surprised. And we did some things like, wait a second. He hasn't had that problem in the past week or so. And it was so true. And he didn't have that problem with swallowing his food for years after that until his death. And it just shows the power of, hey, you may declare something now, but it's going to happen and God's timing and your t- his timing and your timing going to be completely different because we want things now microwave style with the generation, but Hey, it may need to be in a pot and it needs to boil. Mm, very, very, very true. Very true. All right. So we're going to go to our questions. Are you ready? Question one, who or what motivates you? Darn microphone. Yes, who or what motivates me? I have to, man, it's a lot of folks. I mean, there's still my parents. My, I'm, I'm blessed to have still have my mom and my older brother with me. And then there's John Maxwell himself, which is the classic answer because back in August when I got certified, he really brought out his best. He's 73 now, and if anyone's heard of him, and you may have seen some of his speeches in the past, he likes to sit in a stool for the majority of his presentations, but during the certification weekend, he was at his best. And this is 73 for years and years, all that consistency, all that bettering himself and really putting himself out there and always seeking to get better really inspires me. It's like, yeah, I, I want to be able to perform at his level when I'm 73 or heck even folks like him and Les Brown, these folks in their seventies, like even Jack Canfield himself too, where they're in their seventies, they're still, really at the peak of their careers because seeing him at his best really inspired me. And that's something I aspire to, to be able to say, Hey, I'm maybe past the age where I'm able to get social security, even though social security might not exist when I get to my seventies, but Hey, I'm still at this point where I'm still getting better 
and folks in the audience can say, you know what? I've heard Dom before years ago, but he's even better now. Okay. What demotivates you? Ah, uh, yes. What demotivates me is negative people and folks who complain without offering a strategy or a solution. Because if you're going to complain and you don't have anything to suggest to fix the problem, then <laughs> that really demotivates me and I really try to avoid those people because negativity poisons you faster than positivity tends to affect people. Okay. When was a time that something was said or done to hurt you, but it worked for your good? Ah, uh, yes. The meeting with my boss back in 2012 after the car accident and discovering father was uh, coming down with Alzheimer's and that whole period of caregiving begun because that showed me the fact that, hey, uh, I was screwing up, but that actually helped me to not only on top of everything else, but really get my act together and realize that your personal life will always show up in your professional life, no matter how hard you try to fight it. Hmm. What is your fear? Indeed. Yep. Success. I'd say that would be one of them. I'm slowly getting over it, but that's one thing because there's this story about this warrior by the name of Gierfried who was so powerful that whenever he swung his sword, the earth would shake and quake. And so he sealed his power and became an iron knight to seal away his power because he was scared of his own power. So that would probably be why one of my fears that I'm slowly working on getting rid of. Okay. Is there a time when you wish you had done something that you didn't? Oh, man. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Joining Toastmasters sooner would have been one of them. Heck, even becoming... Heck, aggressive personal development was definitely something I wish I would have done at 18, if not sooner, as opposed to 21. Like, that that really was the biggest thing for me. I wish I would have done earlier. Okay. Is there a time that you wish you had not done something? Uh, I'd have to say the 50 days of inspiration that was going to be the launch of my podcast back in 2017 because that was going to be my thing where it's like, yeah, a nice, great motivation to quote every day and 50 days in on day 50, it's going to be the launch of my podcast. And it didn't happen because I wasn't fully ready. I had the audio recordings, but I didn't know what the heck I was doing with the editing process and it delayed for two weeks. So, yeah, that that's definitely uh, one I would change. <laughs> Okay. What is your definition of success? Yes, success is self-mastery. And self-mastery comes with self-awareness and self-expression. So when you are aware of yourself, your strengths and your weaknesses, and you work in your comfort zone of strength, and you work in that zone so much that you eventually express yourself in a way without worrying about who says what or just not caring what anyone thinks and doing it now within reason, as opposed to waiting decades down the road, then you'll eventually have self-mastery. So that would be my definition of success. How do you recharge? Ah, uh, yes. Reading is one of the ways I recharge. There's a book called A Compass to Fulfillment by Kazuo Inamori. I'd have to say reading the first, uh, let's see, 150 pages was probably the best thing because it talks about the Japanese government in the last chapter of the book. And that's really not a applicable to Americans, but yeah, stuff like that. And heck, even sweating out in a good kickboxing session, a CrossFit session 
that's where the creativity goes too. Okay. What are you awesome at? Ah, public speaking. Folks have been telling me I got this radio voice for years and I torture, I mean, inspire people from time to time with that voice by not only getting on stages and fabulous virtual stages like yours, but also being able to share the voice with others and encourage others. So public speaking is a thing that I am awesome at. What legacy do you want to leave? Ah, yes, a magical legacy. Eventually, when I have a library of my own, an actual physical building and named after, well, probably probably after my last name, not the full name, and just really having a physical library of folks to visit and all the other good stuff. That's probably one of the big legacies I want to leave behind. Hmm. Okay, Dom, give the listeners one motivational takeaway. Sure thing. There's a quote out there by Jim Rohn that goes like this. I will take care of me for you and you take care of you for me. So remember to take care of yourself, not only in these dark times, but all the time. Because if you don't take care of yourself first, if with that classic phrase of that classic story, making sure that you are on a flight and you give yourself the air mask first so you can save someone else, always keep self-care in mind because that's really where you're going to be your strongest when you keep self-care in mind and you like yourself and you really take care of yourself. So that way you'll be able to better take care of others. Okay. Tell the listeners how they can connect with you. Sure thing. So first off, gratitude to the fabulous, terrific trainer for having me on a fabulous podcast with a fabulous voice on the microphone. And for those who want to keep in touch with the pun master of personal growth, himself you feel free to google me or head over to dombrightman.com to find everything about me whether it's the book or the podcast especially trina martin's episode which was one of the most popular episodes in january of 2020 so yes indeed that's where you can find me all right tom thank you for taking time out of your day to be on trina talk and for the laughs and we'll be in touch if you like trina talk please don't forget to go out to apple Podcasts to subscribe Also, who else in your life do you know that needs some motivation and inspiration in their life? Don't forget to share Trina Talk with them. I hope you have a great week. And remember, if you change your mindset, you can change your life. Keep striving because success is a journey, not a destination. You can listen to Trina Talk anytime and anywhere. It's available on iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher, Spotify, and all other places that you can listen to podcasts. If you like the podcast, please don't forget to go to iTunes to subscribe, rate, review, and share. If you have questions for me or need inspiration on how to go to the next level, tweet me directly at Trina L. Martin.